Good morning, and welcome back to our weekly Wiseman, the weekly Wiseman podcast, where we go through, week by week, the films of Frederick Wiseman. I am your host, Pete Peterson, and with me, as always, is... Harold Urtiaga. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I almost forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Another week, huh? Yeah. How's how's the how's school going for you? How's Biden going for you? Um, thanks for overturning the transgender military ban so that more people can go and die for no reason. We can reason. also get killed. Yeah, uh, yeah. More yeah. people can get exploded by an IED I, in you know the middle of the middle of the Middle East, and uh, we love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know we're already hearing. You know, first hundred days, let them, let them, you know, let them do it. Uh, but no, that is, that's not, that's not how this is going to go. Uh, the fact that, like, the, the proposed, you know, minimum wage, minimum wage raise to $15, which was a number, you know, that... For federal employees. Right. Which is a number that was low by the time that it was introduced in, like, 2013, or like whenever fight for 15 right. started uh, and it's not going to you know be possible under this legislation uh, until 2025 um is ludicrous is is just it's beyond ludicrous um so we'll see we'll see yeah i mean i'm dare i say it optimistic i mean because the guy has done more in the first 5 days than a lot of people have like in terms of putting forth uh, steps towards good things. I think that this this guy may very well be defined by good intentions. Whether or not he'll be defined by good results, we'll see. Uh, yeah, and it's weird how much, like, how many of these career politicians, I don't know, uh, not even career politicians, because this also applies to Trump, just how much blockage or how many excuses they make uh, when, you know, uh, Trump pushing $2,000 checks and I mean like really pushing them and if he would have made them happen you know or even a, something less substantial before the election he would have won it's unbelievable and and Maybe. Biden has Biden has like the opportunity to be like FDR levels of like praised within his like little democratic you know party uh, but he's you know not not taking it yet yeah, it's weird how they have they have the Senate, they have the House, and they have the White House, and yet they're still being, they're holding back, it seems. Yeah, you have, like, the opportunity here, even if you're just, like, completely self-serving, you have the opportunity here to, like, engender goodwill towards yourself for pretty much the end of time, and, you know, you can keep whatever, you know, big oil money is giving you, but... It, 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 it's just a wonder that that neither Biden nor Trump have, have taken this this chance, especially, I mean, Trump being a total populist that he is, um, you know, astounding. It's all I look I look at the news every day and I'm so confused. Yeah, well, I'll just say that I watching the White House press briefings has been a treat because there is once again uh, competency and professionalism in that in that position. And then they don't have an answer to a question. They just say, I don't know, and they move on. 
as opposed to making guesses and accusations and all that jazz. Yeah. Yeah. uh, um, But our film today has nothing to do with the U.S. because for the first time in our Wiseman podcast, we are leaving the United States of America. And today's film that we're talking about today, mm, there was some circular Plan 9 from Outer Space language for you. Um, Today's film is National Gallery from 2014. It's uh, Wiseman's uh, portrait of the famous art gallery in London. And yeah, it's three hours long. It's uh, very... I think that this this is the first of our what could be considered an educational film, like a classroom film. Like this is something you sit down with the students to show them the... I don't know, the ropes of high art and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was made for the for the BBC, um, which, shout out. Um, maybe, you know, PBS wasn't willing to, to shell it out. I know around that time, there was a big PBS funding kind of issue that a lot of people took took arms up against uh so maybe this was something that 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 came out of that pbs wasn't giving wiseman enough money so he was like okay let's go to some other state-sponsored tv agency and britain was like hello hello mr wiseman would you like to come and shoot a little documentary for us oh oh boy (laughs) maybe he just wanted to go over to the uk for a bit and so he said hey um you want to fund me and they were like sure maybe yeah, it was he wanted to go we don't to know. all the all the all the tech all the techno clubs in london i would love to see i would love to see frederick wiseman dance well sure for sure uh <laughs> but uh but this is the first film that we've seen also that is only one location we maybe we leave the walls of of the national gallery maybe a handful of times but other than but it's even then it's only just outside of it um and the rest is just within the galleries within the halls of of the national gallery and in like the restoration studios yeah it makes it yeah. a very con- a very almost claustrophobic film almost uh i think it's really interesting how the the points in the film that wiseman would usually where wiseman would usually feature you know, architecture and crowds um, and, you know, landscape. Um, In in this film, instead, uh, it's a lot of people looking. It's a lot of gazes. Um, And there's also inserts of the artwork itself. However, the way it's shot is the fact that, you know, it never really shows what... It shows the people themselves and they are engaging in the act of looking uh, but it is only through the associative power of editing that Wiseman says, oh, this person is looking at this painting. Chances are they weren't. Um, and, and the, you know, these do such a good job of of bringing the sort of constructed nature of filmmaking to the front stage, especially in a film that deals so much with, like, artistic representation and the philosophy behind art uh, it's just a perfect touch. It's 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 a per- it's the perfect touch for this movie. Yeah, no, there's a there's a lot of discussion throughout when specifically like, and I'd say maybe about ninety percent of this film is not 
people like just looking at art it's people presenting on art and artworks and artists and various exhibits it's this film is dominated entirely by expertise and experts talking about um high art and high art things and these whole fancy schmoody schmoody matters and and there's there's very few if any moments dedicated to um which is odd um dedicated to just the a normal person an average your average person's perspective on this art which is odd considering um one of the first scenes in the film is the director of the national gallery talking to one of the board members about public outreach and the director of this national gallery is just so very stuffy um like he is like oh i don't want to become an average gallery and we must espouse our values and we don't want to get muddled with charities and all this stuff it was it's he he was a very interesting figure and mercifully um he is in very little of this film he, he, he does come back a couple of times is he like i don't know how much research you've done but he's he, in like four scenes. but he's the like director of the of the museum it seems like from the way that everybody yes. kind of is sort of stands around him and the way that he talks it, it seems like he is uh but i i think wiseman is is very conscious of how the thing of what the things of the things he's saying and how they come across because the very last scene that he's featured in uh he's he's describing this painting uh and he's talking about how you know it makes it was meant to be you know put up next to another type of painting he's talking about the cultural context of the painting and how people you know under what conditions people saw it uh originally and then he concludes and he's like yeah this is pretty elitist <laughs> this is a pretty elitist piece uh and it's yeah, made for it's, he's talking about the triumph of pan yeah is the, is the painting and and there i i think wiseman very purposely put this sequence here uh, it's a sort of this has a sort of ironic weight to it uh based on the previous things we've seen with the director of the museum right um this is the first film of wiseman's that i felt it could have just ended earlier <laughs> <laughs> it's three it's almost three, it's two hours and 50 minutes it doesn't need to be two hours and 53 minutes. It it does, like, there is a beautiful scene. And Wiseman, you, we talked about it in, in Jackson Heights, how music is pervasive throughout that film, the use of music, um, how it's, it's always in the background. Here, there are only two scenes, two scenes that feature music. And... And there's one that is the actual ending scene, which was a ballet scene. But the the other scene is it's the it's a piano recital, and it's just a guy playing a piano, and meanwhile a montage of a bunch of close-ups of paintings is playing. And I felt like this is the perfect ending to this movie. It's the music is beautiful. We get all the art, yada da da da, and then it just keeps going for another 40 minutes and i'm just like oh come on it this this movie could have been shorter i feel like i mean i don't know how many hours wiseman had um going into the into the editing room certainly somewhere probably close to around between 50 and 100 um but i i felt like this one was the first one where i was just like i'm not sure i needed all of this um 
but here's but yeah the... yeah here's here's where you and i disagree but that might be just because this is kind of connected to some of my academic interests uh and not not only art history and and, and philosophy but also just the the preservation although the preservation angle of it all the work that was being done there and the way that it's being done uh was just so interesting to me and i, I See, now the preservation stuff I was really fascinated by. Um, the talk about the restored Rembrandt with the painting underneath the painting. Um, there's a, I think the film right before, or the scene right before the piano recital is a discussion of a restored piece and how all of the work that we do can be erased in 15 minutes when the next person restores because that's the, and the ethics of restoration and talking about analyzing this piece of art. All that stuff was really interesting to me. It's, I guess, just the repeated endless presentations on different artists that I felt like you could have trimmed some here, made the conversations a bit shorter. I don't know. The The restoration stuff was not the issue for me. I guess it was just the monotony of presentation after presentation after presentation after presentation that just, it got to me after a bit. I can see that. And and some of the, the presenters are less uh, confident or less practiced than than others so it was harder to watch that one guy kind of stumble through the tour do you know the one i'm there was this one one tour guide that was just kind of having a hard what, time what was that, he talking that morning about? um i am i forgot to send you my notes for i know and, and my notes are really really something um I mean, the the I think my favorite presentation, and it wasn't even so much a presentation, I think it was my favorite scene, was it was a discussion between scholars about one painting which featured sheet music. And the and the camera work in that scene was, was I think, uh, John Davies' camera work was actually a bit distinct from the rest of the film in that it was a lot of, um, like, very close close-ups to the people's faces. And, and it was going back and forth between these four different scholars discussing this painting and the sheet music and the guitar in it. And it wasn't, it wasn't a present because it was a, a presentation. It was a discussion. It was almost a debate as to what the, the, the history, the context of this painting is. And I felt that that scene was a lot more engaging than the, than a lot of the present, like the stuff to kids. Like I get that they're the language they're using, like they talk about, a painting with woodsmen and I like the discussion around how why you put other stuff besides your subjects and how that adds to a painting and how the this is I mean this is a film and it's looking and it's there's several scenes where they talk about how painting structure relates to film structure and how you tell a story with one one image as opposed to many and yeah, no, there was there's certainly some stuff. I I can't I don't know exactly which one you're talking about. Do you it, remember the painting? No, the no I do. It wasn't even about a painting specifically. It was about a frame, and the fact that it was ebony, and the the process oh, of yeah, making. Oh no, the I frame. know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, that one could have been that that could have been cut easily. <laughs> there was there's a great scene where there's a guy carving a frame. I yeah, oh yeah a, yeah and. And then, like, applying gold leafs and all that. Beautiful. That was really fun. Yeah, and uh, a nice, uh, obviously, change of pace from all the people talking uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and getting to see, you know, the, that is a work of art and hard work in and of itself. Absolutely. Um, but I, I, I think, yeah, part of the reason why I like this is you mentioned briefly the kind of meta aspect of it, you know, talking about images and talking about the, the power of a, a, of a single image and also the, the power of the moving image. Um, this was also pretty 
or this is also what I gleaned from that bit with the model, the nude model. Um, right. There, there are two scenes with the with the nude model. Right. I don't remember which one of these is, this is, to be honest. Um, but there is a a brilliant tiny moment in, in one where Wiseman is showing everybody's drawings. Everybody's like crazy talented, by the way. Oh, Every, yeah. Everybody who's taking this class or, or whatever is beautiful art. Yeah. Uh, so you get to see everybody's wonderful nudes, uh, and then <laughs> it cuts. It cuts to the model, and for the briefest second, uh, she has to stretch her hand. Her hand is like cramping up, and she like has to stretch it. And it is that kind of like almost subconscious, involuntary, extremely human movement uh, that you're like okay. you're like ah, this is why I'm watching a movie, right? Uh, I don't know. There, there was something about the the gestalt, the way it was the, all put together. I don't know. I I I think I I think I we might I might be on two sides here. That I I liked. This is one that I liked a bit more than you did. I think. Yeah. No. I mean, I probably would have loved this film if it were a tight two hours. Yeah. Um. And it was only the most interesting stuff, like with restoration, like the nude. There's two nude model scenes, and they both do feature. Full frontal nudity, both and one's a female and one's a male. I mean, I don't like to assume gender. After, but... after yeah, after the dog, <laughs> yeah. sur- after the dog surgery, I'm like, this is nothing. This is fine. Yeah, um, I could see, right. I could see ten <laughs> out, and I would be like, okay, wise, okay, Wiseman, <laughs> go off. Uh, yeah, I mean, but the, the, anyway, um, but there's the conversation. Um, like there with the with the female nude model, there's not as much commentary, but with the male nude model scene, which is a much shorter scene. Um, it's just a conversation with this one guy who's I, who feels a little awkward with a m- nude man in front of him and that he's painting and she has a co- and he has a conversation with the person who's leading the workshop and she's just like well it's it's freeing like to have to be able to 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 strip down in to have it and there's just and it's that commentary that I think was uh, was absent throughout the film there's one great scene where they talk about how this art has its roots in slavery and in colonialism um but there's not a lot of talk about how all of this this all of these paintings are rooted in misogyny and in sexism and the male gaze is all over these paintings i mean i don't know hundreds of nude women were were in this and and it's just taken as is like it's just yeah nude women in art kind of thing um uh the a quote which might be giving away my uh my recommendation from the margins is that um a certain a certain comedian once said that um that the number one activity for women of all time is hanging out nude in a forest um if you take it based on what we see in art that the number one activity is nude women and hanging out in forests and i mean there's that's just something that i felt was unaddressed in this film was was the idea of the male gaze and i mean it didn't ruin the film by any means but it just it would have been nice to have more than just a quick little second of how people's reactions were different to a nude man versus a nude woman yeah i would not call this a radically intersectional film by any stretch (laughs) Um, I maybe, I don't know, I maybe take less issue, uh, you know, sure, we should have more even, you know, uh, more, we should have more male nudes, period. Uh, but, Mm. 
you know, <laughs> I, I, I can I can appreciate uh, the female form, uh, but I, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, but, like but said, no, it no, wasn't a huge issue for me. It just felt something that when the film ended, I felt it was a little absent. Yeah, and like none of these people who are like employed by a museum are gonna be and especially you know Wiseman who's receiving BBC funding they're not gonna step out and be like oh we plundered so many cultures for this and this is wrong and we should give all these paintings back they're not gonna do that um (laughs) as much as good as it would be um uh well I mean most the almost almost the art that we see is um done by white artists I'm or or Italian or European artists, I should say. Uh, there's, and it's and it is all stuff from like I would say the 1700s back. Like we, there are there's one brief uh, montage towards the end maybe of some more modern paintings. You got Cezanne and um, and Van Gogh and all and people and his their contemporaries. But other than that, like we're talking Caravaggio, we're talking Rembrandt, we're talking Vermeer, we're talking old folks. We're talking Da Vinci plays a huge part in this movie as a is a Da Vinci exhibit. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's not a it's not a modern art museum, uh, so it's it's so subject to so much of of the baggage of uh, canons, the idea of canons, uh, the idea of of exhibition and who, what's your take on canons? Who counts? Um, I mean we should abolish everything um include including canons and genre uh genre really genre yeah as much as i love genre pictures the idea of genre is just like product differentiation for capitalist purposes right if you think is that where it originated from yeah i mean the it's yeah it's just a different box on a shelf because like i don't know i think let's try to imagine a reality where there are no film genres and only films get made i don't know what that would look like anyway yeah i mean i think that i think it's certainly helpful when it comes to people identifying taste yeah and like we like to group things you know the the the, 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 the genre is not a purely that's a very human thing is to categorize yeah and genre is not a purely capitalistic invention but as it exists now uh that's what it's that's its main purpose it feels like i don't know okay I, i i see that um i i mean it helps it helps me identify a film that i might appreciate more based on what genre it it is in um but you're right you're right i mean i do agree that canons should be abolished and if there is a canon that the canon should not be made by cishet white men because like i want to see the the canon that includes cheryl denier and uh like when reference to films a canon that includes cheryl denier and includes and at, then considers Cleo from five to seven as the best film of all time because it is. Um, uh, it was uh, just back to the nude model scene. I was reminded a lot of the scene in Cleo from five to seven and the discussion about nudity and whether it's freeing or it's or it's um, it's a symbol of oppression in that film. Anyway. Yeah, I almost for- forgot about that scene. Uh, it's her friend who's taking the class, right? And she goes yeah. to, to visit she, her. She's the model. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's like, it's a good way to get paid. 
I get to do nothing for a bit, and I I like being seen, and and then and then Cleo's like, but you realize that you're just getting objectified, right? And he's like, eh, not necessarily. Anyway, yeah, was... that echoes that echoes our our previous discussion just a little bit. But you'll you'll hear no arguments from me uh, about how amazing Cleo from Fire the Sound is. Of course, it really is ah gorgeous. Um. So, uh, were there any other particular moments in the film that stood out to you? Um, I know we, we, you, you touched on, you know, long descriptions of paintings, but the, the Samson and Delilah bit, uh, where oh, the, yes. the curator is describing it with no care for, for Samson and framing it purely, almost purely as Delilah's story, uh, not, you know, as the Jezebel who who betrayed Samson, but as a spy for her nation, who, who was, served yeah, her country, yeah, who was doing yeah. her duty. That that that's the good stuff. That's the that was yeah prime the stuff with Samson right and Delilah because because there are two scenes. One in reference to the story and how the how the painting is telling the story, and then the second scene is talking about the lighting and how the painting was painted to be in a certain light in a certain room, and yeah no. I, it's 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 annoying because this this film felt too long for me but i would have to like go back and rewatch it and say what scenes work because a lot of this a lot of the presentation stuff is really great and i feel that is just maybe that if this had been two films i would have enjoyed both films more as shorter as shorter exercises maybe more focused on one thing in one and another thing on the other but uh, yeah, I, I mean, with a lot of these, it's like you know, why isn't this like a six-part miniseries? Um, there's definitely, you know, I don't doubt that Wiseman has the the footage for it. Uh, if 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 the stories are to be believed, um, but yeah, this National Gallery also had the moment that made me laugh the hardest, and it's going back to our our lovely uh, museum director. Where he's talking about how you know he doesn't want to, they're they're gonna do the marathon thing, they're gonna have this marathon end at, at at the museum, or it might be even before that. No, never mind. It's right before that, uh, where where he's talking about. Well, these two things might be related because it feels like those two scenes with him, kind of lead into each other. But he's talking about how uh, they're probably just the same scene cut up. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to appeal to the lowest common denominator, common denominator. of public taste. Uh, right, right after you know his so freaking uh, elitist. Right after somebody in his office is really trying to sell him on on working with X and Y advertiser. Uh, but right after he says that, there's like such an obvious audio cut, and then he just says, uh, "Okay, thanks," and then it cuts to the <laughs> yes, next scene. Yeah, no, that was a great yeah. ending to this. Scene. I, that is the la- the hardest I have ever laughed at any Wiseman movie is that moment. And and like I said, the, the the meta aspect of it, starting from that point on, I feel like the movie is very consciously bringing attention to the fact that it's like a like a put together, and it's you know the the time you know the, the, there's no con- continuous space or time, it's just assembled in a certain way, uh, because of the director editor, uh, and 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 that's really sort of the heart of why this movie you know might it would probably place among the the higher half of the movies that we've seen so far for me at least really? uh is, is, okay. is the reflexive 
uh, nature of, of National Gallery. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I just, I think that this film has some of the best stuff of anything from Wiseman that I've seen. I was never explicitly bored, but, um, but by the end, I felt like this, like this could have ended a bit ago, but I don't know. Um, one, I just want to mention, I haven't really talked about this, this motif in Wiseman's work yet, and I've, I've been meaning to, and every time I forget, is there is a a very in, a very intriguing scene towards the beginning of the film where it's a workshop with um with blind people and looking at art fantastic. through textured images yes and we've seen this throughout a lot of Wiseman's films of how he where i mean this is something that i'm still i'm still working on is like realizing when um inclusive of people with disabilities and how Wiseman's films are do always seem to dedicate time to blind people and deaf people, and like in the li- in Ex Libris, there's a, a a Braille workshop where people are learning how to how to write and read in type and read in Braille, um, and there's there's stuff about that in City Hall, and it's just there's it's it's an element of all of Wiseman's films I think that is just where it's not something that you would immediately think of when thinking about visual when thinking about paintings is being inclusive of of blind folks and i know that wiseman did direct um films uh i think a film called blind and a film called deaf that will be completely dedicated to um to these to these communities and i just i i think that it's i i want to point out that that why that that was both a very interesting uh very intriguing scene and i think a, an important part to wiseman's work as a whole yeah isn't uh titty cut follies take place in a in a, a psych ward yeah so 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 uh, you know ability disability um and and marginalization this is this is wiseman's uh bread and butter historically um yeah and it'll be it's interesting taking you know a backwards retrospective uh, cause I, I think if, if we saw the films chronologically normal ways, we'd pay more attention, you know, pay more attention to that, or that might be the, right. the, the first thing that we're looking if, out for, but rather we're sort of incrementally, you know, uh, made aware of, of Wiseman's sensibilities towards his subject. I, anyway, I just wanted to, to point that out because I think it's a very important part of his work that should be should be talked about yeah and and that, uh, and that scene is 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 a standout one in the film uh i i, for sure. I love that wiseman brings the painting back around uh in an insert for one of the montages later on i don't know if you caught yeah. that um yeah no i did yeah but uh and and he he does that with another painting uh he like introduces it as a zoomed in insert not once but twice it's boy bitten by okay. lizard and then at the end you that's such a great yeah film. you at the end you you get somebody talking about it right. that's so yeah. that was so fantastic just teasing it like that uh you know was was uh, a joy and then you fool you know when you finally get to it and you're like oh wizen is actually gonna feature somebody talking about this you're like ah you you tricky you tricky devil you did it again um any last things before we get to our uh, quantified vibe check? Uh, I was gonna go into like a diatribe, uh, or like a rant uh, uh, about preservation. Um, 
but I, you know, well, by all means, no, no, but is... I, I, yeah, well, one <laughs> one of the things that that was so that also you know, uh, really stuck with me after watching National Gallery was just uh, talking about the the conditions I mentioned this kind of earlier, uh, but the conditions in which people originally viewed these artworks. Uh, especially when these artworks use like gold leaf and they're, you know, originally viewed by candlelight. And so the, the reflect, the reflection of the light on the gold, uh, especially in, in these more religious pieces kind of contributes to the sort of aura of the work. But when it comes to restoration and exhibition, everything is presented, you know, under fluorescent, uh, lights very flatly um which is it's not the way that the painting was originally experienced by you know whoever viewed viewed it when it was first put up you know the 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 idea or or the the sort of questions that come up when considering uh preserving and exhibiting a piece of art uh it's just interesting how that argument takes shape in when it comes to other other forms of art uh which i've been thinking about a lot um because when, when it comes to movies um you have this idea that when when a film is restored it is ideally restored to the way that the director meant for it to be and there was a recent, some recent drama in film circles. I don't know if, you know, how Are we how talking much... about In the Mood for Love right now? Yes, we are talking about In the Mood for Love right yeah! now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of hubbub in, in cinephile circles about the new restorations. It's not just In the Mood for Love. There was like a, the, pretty much every, every one it's of It's all of Wong Kar Wai films. Yeah. In, in the box set, uh, uh, Janice Films and Criterion came out with a Wong Kar Wai uh, box set that made some pretty significant changes to the color grading uh, in, in most of And they were overseen movies. by Wong Kar Wai. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the, the, the debate has reared, you know, its head again, you know. Uh, who uh, is right here? The person who has this creative control over the movie or is it, you know, out of their... Once it's out of their hands, you know, it's out of their hands. And if, and if people's, you know, main way of viewing this film up until this point was through like bootlegs or you know up until the the criterion you know single blu-ray for each film was released uh it was was bootlegs where the color grading was off and and this is the 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 way that a large portion of of viewers sort of remember this piece of art uh who's right by the way i feel like they should have included at least as like a bonus feature the like alternate an alternate version of these films that was with the original coloring because i mean let's be honest in the mood for love with that green tint on everything frank it just doesn't look i mean in the mood for love i um maybe controversially am not a huge fan of it um i think it's it's gorgeous to look at or it was gorgeous to look at with all of the reds and all of the complexity and the color like it's just beautifully shot um, but I felt like that it, it went on for a bit too long. And after a, it, the, like that one song that's played like 50,000 times in that movie, um, that it was played one too many times. And by the last time that it's played, I'm just like, okay, I'm tired of this song. Uh, but it's, 
I mean, yeah, I just I to go back to painting the 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 phrase is is that when is a painting done when when you when is a painting finished is like when you stop painting and Wong Kar Wai is just coming back and he's keep he's keeping on painting and everyone's just like no no stop painting yeah and it's not just art cinema I mean most blatant example of this George Lucas everybody has talked this to the fucking ground uh and now with you know newer media uh we're talking about video game preservation you know let's kind of sidestep the conversation are video games art or not and let's assume that they are and that we need to preserve them how would we do it uh would we you know have as as as, you know someone who runs an archive in this wonderful world that i've sort of created uh do you have the console itself and do you have a physical copy of the game or is it sufficient just to emulate it and to have somebody play on the, do they need to play on the controller that it was designed to be played on? Uh, and there's no easy answers for this, obviously. Um, and even on a title by title basis, you know, it, it might vary because especially, you know, so, some of these I'd say every single one of these video games is like meant to be played on the console that it was released with those peripherals uh and and you know you change something about it you know can can you say you're you're accurately representing it and exhibiting it who knows yeah questions for smarter men uh, than I fascinating stuff this <laughs> but um, that's all I had that was my that was my right. last I, I enjoyed that yeah, no, that was I really enjoyed that. Uh talk of of restoration and archiving is 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 I mean, it's part of what we're doing here is going back through filmographies who most people probably wouldn't really blink an eye at if they vanished into thin air. And so going through piece by piece all of these films um for posterity, I that's I mean that's that's the goal here. Um and yeah. Anyway, uh, quantified vibe I think, check. I think, Harold, what you got? I will say, I think Wiseman does have enough of a diehard fan base that if he if his movies disappeared, people would be like, "Where, where is he?" Um, and quantified vibe check. I don't know. I'll I'll do whatever you say plus one because I liked it a bit more. <laughs> it's a very combative. It's a very combative rating here. All right. I'm going to give it uh, zero <laughs> awkward camera movements during the ballet sequence to try and keep them in frame out of three uh, stuffy elitist gallery directors. <laughs> Amen. And what we got? Right. What we got next week? Um, we oh next week. Oh boy, you're not. Oh, you're gonna love this. Um, prepare to go back to school, kids, because next week is 2013's at UC Berkeley. Oh boy, at Berkeley, live in Berkeley, to, or something. I don't want to be in college and, and watch a documentary. It's four about hours. College. It's four hours. Oh, we made a mistake. UC Berkeley, baby. This, this podcast was a mistake. Oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, we'll get to domestic violence eventually. Yeah, that, that's gonna be so exciting. You know. All right. Uh, recommendation for the margins. <laughs> Microwave a big bucket of popcorn for domestic violence too. 
Um, electric boogaloo. <laughs> uh, my recommendation, I had this one in my pocket for a minute, and because of how uh, uh, meta and reflexive National Gallery is, seems like the perfect time to do it. Uh, William Graves's Symbiopsychotaxoplasm. Take one. Ooh. I know. It's a, it's a I hate this movie. You Talk hate Symbiopsychotaxoplasm? Take one? Hello? Yep. Yeah, recently got a, a, a Criterion release, and now B is going to yes. tell you why you shouldn't listen to my recommendation. I'll just I'll say my piece, and then I'll let you have the last word. Um, I was I wanted to love this film so bad because of what it was doing. I love like my favorite documentaries are stuff like F for Fake and The Five Obstructions, and uh, this is not a film. These super meta, super reflexive documentaries about filmmaking. That's my favorite stuff. I wanted to love this. It felt like it was had. It felt like it was just cobbled together out of nothing, and it didn't help that the scene that they were filming was so, so, so many f f words, so much, so so many gay slurs. I didn't. Yeah. I it was it was so off putting to me. I and, and I, I see that's exactly why I love it. It's like. I think it's meant it's like meant to be and cuz like William Graves is like taking the piss out of everybody constantly this whole movie. Uh so so I I I guess for a little bit of, of context for the listeners here. Uh this is a, a a documentary director who is not really making a documentary. He's like filming a scene uh and then it's about the filming of that scene and then it's about the then it's about the editing of that scene of Editing of the filming of the filming of the scene. Right. And it's also about the cast of the movie taking it upon themselves to to insert, like, inserting themselves into this whole project as well. It's a movie about a movie about a movie. Yeah. So it's like working in, like, three different layers of, you know, verisimilitude or, like, reality, constructed reality, uh, I guess you could say. Um, and... and, and yeah, the, the the guy at the very center of it, I think he's just trolling. I I think he's it, just. It trolling. feels like it. Yeah, and like I don't know. I I I get I get your 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 issues with it. Absolutely. Um, I you should definitely. This is what I'll say. You should definitely see it and decide for yourself. I agree. I wanted to watch Symbiote Psychotaxoplasm. By the way, great title, amazing title. Um, I wanted to watch Symbiote Psychotaxoplasm Part Two and a Half. Um, right with, with Steve at, Buscemi right after I wanted to do it as a double feature and then I was just like you know what I'm so done with this guy I don't think I can handle any more of this guy <laughs> and so I I never ended up watching finishing Symbiopsychotaxoplasm take two and a half but anyway you should definitely see it and decide for yourself because it's either the coolest thing or just the <laughs> or just flat out mindless dilly dally yeah and leave a uh, comment on the Patreon board or whatever if uh, I was right. Yeah, saying, tweet us, saying Harold was Tweet right. us your hot takes. Saying Harold was right, and I would personally love to see that. In a similar vein about the reflexiveness of art, um, my my recommendation from the margins today is, and I referenced it earlier, is not one but two films, and it's Hannah Gadsby's uh, performance specials, Nanette and Douglas which I had Douglas on my best films of 2020 list. And both of them, I think, are brilliant pieces of stand-up comedy. 
Um, Nanette specifically is taking the idea of stand-up comedy and self-deprecating humor to task. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And Douglas is just a solid hour of laughs. Like, it's, it's, it's great. And both of them, and this is why I mention them here, is they both feature extended sets on art history. I've been a little cautious of doing it because I don't know if the sort of joke deconstructionalism is going to hit for me because I want a punchline. I want a punchline so bad. Uh, but I, 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 there are punchlines in Douglas. I can say that, and you don't need to see Nanette to to watch Douglas. So, but I would say that Nanette is, I mean, the I kind of the idea of the special is that it it doesn't let you have punchlines, like, um, particularly in the latter half. And so, I think it's one of the most important pieces of 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 stand up performance that I've ever seen. I just, but you're right. It's, it's not going to be your typical, typical standup. It will, you will not be comfort. You will not be comfortable by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think might, you might want to include a, a, a content warning because it, it deals pretty, right. pretty I heavily with, a, with I sexual. should put a, a, a content warning that there is stuff about, um, abuse and, and misogyny most of it because yeah, I, I, I think she she describes in in pretty gruesome detail sexual assault right she doesn't describe it in gruesome detail no but she does talk about it and she doesn't pull punches when talking about it uh plug yourself harold uh i'm at harold txt on twitter uh if you want to keep up with what i'm watching i'm schmerald on letterbox that's s-c-h-a-r-m-o-o-l-d i mess that up but you get it sch at the beginning yeah uh all right um you can find me in twitter letterbox at blue gray closet i'm not really even using letterboxd anymore at this point um uh, just because i feel like i'm feeling too overwhelmed by it all but anyway um but yeah there's still a ton of tons of lists already on there but um anyway you can find this podcast at anchor.fm slash screens margins you can find us and as well as apple Podcasts and all spotify and all that jazz you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash screens margins where you can not only get um the free podcasts you can also get um bonus podcasts we've got a rainer verter fossbender podcast we got a dorothy arsner podcast we're going to be recording our in a couple days our first episode of the lucrecia martel podcast and that's going to be in spanish baby um and you can also vote on podcasts about what we you can vote to decide what we review on fresh from the margins the new releases podcast you can vote to what film we're going to watch next on the fossbender podcast and also this is new what you can get is it's a patreon exclusive thing for all patrons um, you can get Notes from the Margins, which is a scene-by-scene -scene breakdown by me of all of the Wiseman films yeah. that we watch. And you know, if you sign up for the 10, 10 buck tier, you know, screw it. I'll send you. I'll send you anything. I'll send you my under. I'll send you my underwear. I don't. I don't oh. Care. Oh, oh my. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that'll go by the content oh, guidelines shoot. of Patreon, but we'll we'll we can shoot. we can figure something out maybe. Uh, <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, so. Hey guys, we know that there's a pull these days when it comes to films to focus only on the big and mainstream stuff. So thank you, thank you for spending a little time with us here today, here on the margins. Good night. <laughs> ah, 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 ah.